Hey, welcome to Nerds of the Old Republic, the podcast where we drink and discuss nerdy fiction, and where the bell means points, but points mean nothing. I'm Adam. I'm Sean. And I'm Mike. <laughs> Today we're discussing the 2014 <laughs> Alex Garlander film, Ex Machina, starring Oscar Isaac and Alicia Vikander. But first, we want to thank our growing community of listeners and followers on social media, and a special thanks to the listening community at Good Pods, where we are still ranking highly among similar podcasts like books and hobbies. Our thanks to the listeners who have posted reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our show and the topics we discuss, please consider giving us a rating and reviewing us. It's a huge help. And be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Nerds of Old Republic. If you want to hear what we think about many other nerd-centric topics, don't forget to check out our More Than Just Books blog on Podbean. Uh, Mike was just saying in the last episode that he had just written up Desperado as a, quote, good, bad movie. So if you want to hear his thoughts on that, give it a look. And if you know Desperado or is the sequel Once Upon a Time in Mexico? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, feel free to check that out and then leave us some thoughts either on Podbean or on any of the socials. We're, again, at Nerds of the Old Republic. But tonight we're talking about a good, good movie. It's a, yeah, I think we already know where we all stand on this one. But uh, that's all right. We also wanted... Oh. No, I was about to say, hated it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hater, second night in a uh. row. No. Uh, we also wanted to let our listeners know that this episode, we think right now, marks the end of season two of Nerds of the Old Republic. That's right. We'll be taking a little break for the summer so we can kind of do our own thing and read up on our next book. Oh, my gosh. I'm excited, but also super friggin' intimidated <laughs> by Neil Stevenson's Termination Shock. So uh, we'll be back with season three in the fall with our discussion of a couple big events, that book that I just talked about, and of course, the latest entry in Star Wars universe, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ben as we call him in my house. So uh, look forward to that, but we might be sneaking an extra one in there. We're kind of on the fence about what we're doing because, you know, you can't keep an old dog down. Depends <laughs> on how, how well these Jennies go down. Yeah, so that's a great intro. Uh, if you've never listened to us before, we always pair our nerd fiction or nerd media with a beverage. And tonight we have nothing less than Rochester's own <laughs> Jenny Light, courtesy of Mr. Mike. And I am so grateful here. I am not kidding when I say that this is 16 ounces that I'm looking forward to enjoying right now. It's a pounder. Uh, I am so yeah. glad. You know, uh, this uh, Jenny is what we used to drink in high school. Uh, for that reason, I, I don't think I've drank it since high school. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when I was a young man, I used to drink young man drinks, but now that I'm an old <laughs> sure. man. But uh, you know, I, I was explaining things. in our last episode that I, I go back and forth between being really into good beer and then just totally rebelling against it and drinking shit beer. And Adam dropped my jaw by I'm informing so me that Jenny is is not considered shit beer right now. It's considered quite cool. Yeah. I was going to say, whoa, man, what were your shit beer takes? Yeah. <laughs> every, every bar in Buffalo now that's like, I'm a beer cave yeah. slash craft beer on tap takeover has Jenny. Well. Like, hands down. You know, uh. So two points. It's it's become the new Pabst, and that's the lesser point. The bigger point is I apparently am even more effortlessly cool than I thought, and I already thought yeah, you're that. like subconsciously cool, man. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, Sean agrees. Yeah. That's a yes. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's funny. Um, so we have this tradition in my family where when someone passes, after all the serious funeral stuff is done 
go to a bar or someone goes and makes a beer run or a liquor run and you drink what they drank and enjoyed in life. And so when my wife's grandfather passed, um, he used to drink Jenny specifically in the hand grenades. So somebody went out and found two 24-pack boxes. I didn't even know that was a number you could buy beer in. Like maybe they went to the uh, brewery itself in Rochester and came back with these things. But we, we just downed. Jenny hand grenades, which is like standard Genesee beer in a glass bottle shaped like a hand grenade. And I got so sick the next day from three beers because it's made proudly from the Genesee River, which God knows. (laughs) Mm, I don't know what's in there, but Genesee... You make fantastic beer. Cold. Shark, don't shark stop full it. full of Central New York vitamins and minerals. That's, That's right. right. Cold, clean, right. crisp water comes from the Genesee River. Sparked with some isotopes <laughs> over from Oswego. Stuff that came out of Mike's sump pump. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's only yeah. the best. But I agree with your take, though, that it's kind of overtaken PBR or Pabst Blue Ribbon as, like, the hipster beer, which is a shame because I just bought a shit ton of stock in PBR. One of my mm. best friends, his favorite beer, his go-to beer is Jenny Cream Ale. I can't. Yeah. Literally can't. It Ooh. is a, it is an experience. Drink a couple of those, yeah. you're like, oh boy. It's a laxative. <laughs> you yeah. know, these things are, these things are so post-ironic though. People start yeah. drinking them at first to be ironic and then they realize they actually like them and it becomes a, a legitimate thing. But you can't so. shake the ironic look when you buy it. I, I agree. Yeah. You, you say shit beer, and I, it's like a tongue-in-cheek kind of like thing. It's yeah. Just like, it's just mass-produced beer, but yeah. there's a time and a place for mass beer to be mass produced. Oh, oh, totally. I agree. That's My why I My fridge is filled with PBR. <laughs> Mine has, uh, what did I say was, oh, I, I have Coors Banquet. I've got the Sam Elliott beer right now. I have Mick Ultra at home right now. There was wow. an 18-pack on sale, and I went for it. I'm learning new things about you guys. Uh, that's okay. As I said, PBR is literally my beer fridge right now. It's like we said recently, we do a little bit of high, a little bit of low. That's right. I <laughs> thought you brought low. the Genesee just because we spent so you spent so much money on that rum for a Moonwitch Spider oh. King. That <laughs> rum was expensive. It was delicious, but yeah, I cannot I imagine it being rum. cheap. That was good, yeah. But no, this was uh, no because I spent all my money on the, the charcuterie tonight. But yeah, let's open ready? This. Let's yep. just do this. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, well timed. That was well Beautiful. done. Yeah. Cheers. Well, you Cheers. Smell rice. Smells like high school. Oh. <laughs> and I smell a burning river. Yeah, that's just fine. That's fine. I could do that's yeah. like I just came in from mowing the lawn. It's hot. Eighteen seventy eight. Well, Adam uh, told his um, very nice and sentimental Jenny uh, story, you. so I, I will uh, completely ruin <laughs> that by telling my Jenny story. Uh, so this was a high school story, and we were mm-hmm. in the middle of the woods drinking, uh, and we were trying to have a campfire at the same time. And we had a tank of, you know, gasoline for like a lawnmower to get this fire going because sure. that, that's how you start a fire. Especially that's, as a right. high school student, yeah. And so, you know, several Jennies deep, I thought the fire needed to be a little bigger, a little warmer. So I started pouring the gasoline over the fire and then it occurred to me that the fire would actually climb the stream <laughs> yeah. and light the end of the gas tank on fire. And the Jenny hadn't slowed my brain so much at this point mm. that I didn't realize that this thing could explode in my hand. So that was good. What was bad was it had slowed my brain enough that I thought I could just chuck it away from myself. (laughs) And so it sprayed gas, and uh, all the trees in front of us were momentarily burning. And I was panicking. I was not the hero in this situation. I created the situation, and then I fucking lost my mind. Luckily, we had a a more uh, wood-savvy friend with us at the time that assured us 
the gas would burn and then the fire would go out. And that is what happened. And that is why I'm here with you gentlemen today to do this podcast. I'm grateful for that. Still. And you have your eyebrows. So I yes, 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 yes. I, I still do. And they're very fine and bushy and thick. and <laughs> Luscious eyebrows Mike's got going on there. Wow. I love that we have Jenny's, Jenny's stories, to be honest. We'll save Sean's for later in that's, the cast. Yeah, that's exactly how you know it. I got a manufacturer or something. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, you know what? Don't worry about it because uh, we can we can move on from here. So, you know, we got the Jenny. Oh, I got it right up there. You got oh, a oh damn. You got a, a can. It's a Go Jenny ahead. Light World War One era biplane fighter. Oh, that's going up on Twitter, man. Don't let me forget that's to take a picture, a picture of that. Tonight, yeah. My grandfather had those, so he was the. Uh, wow. You see, like the flag there. He was the World yeah. War Two veteran and. He had these things. Somebody at this gin, local gin mill made my grand, my grandfather drank Jenny. You guys have such good stories with Jenny, and I'm, I tried to burn the forest down. Come to it at different times. That's right. Yeah, because I was that kid who didn't drink during high school. So, oh. like, because I was never invited to parties. Oh, but, you know, oh. No. no, I just you know I was a straight laced kid who never did. So like when I hear your stories of like oh I did this there the other thing I'm like oh that's what cool kids did during high school. <laughs> All right, uh, hard transition then. All right, so I can't say that I had any personal background with Ex Machina. Um, I was aware of it, but hadn't watched it until we decided to make it the cast. But I think it falls into a long line of movies that I really enjoy. Obviously, I like sci-fi. And I think the idea of, like, AI and how humans are going to have to exist with AI is a thing that I really enjoy. Like, there was that movie Her a while ago that was similar in that it was a man falling in love with his phone's AI. Oh. So it was conversational-based. And I almost think that was... Joaquin Phoenix in that? Joaquin Phoenix and oh, maybe like Scarlett Joaquin Johansson Phoenix. was the voice of the yeah, AI, yeah. I think, that he fell in love with. He's got a sexy voice. Yeah, no, it really just falls in line with other movies that I really enjoy. Like, um, techno-thrillers about, like, human and, like, opening that Pandora's box of what can we do, should we do it sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You guys? My history with this movie is that I, I think this movie's been out for, what, six, maybe seven years now or something? Yeah, about seven. And for the entirety of that more than half a decade, um, I have wanted to see this movie. It has been on my short list of movies mm-hmm. to watch. Somehow that has not happened. I have no idea why. Uh, I have somehow not seen it, but wanted to very badly. Um, and I do know that the uh, director directed another film, uh, called Annihilation, which I mm. loved, um, and which is based on a Jeff Vandermeer book, uh, which Ooh. is actually a trilogy of books. Um, and I hadn't read the book Annihilation, but I read <laughs> another book by that author, which is really good. So anyways, uh, that's as far as my background goes with it. Um, I was looking forward to it very much for this cast because I've wanted to see it for a while. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys, if I'm my cough in the background. I, this Jenny is not going down easy. Because <coughs> it's not the cream ale. <laughs> that's the problem. That's all right. Uh, uh, I saw this movie close to when it was released. Loved it then. Loved it even more the second time. I am uh, I am just an Oscar Isaac fanboy. And uh, Alicia Vikander, I think, is fantastic in this. Mm, I got a lot of things awesome to say about them. Director. I just I I was it was I found out about it from one of these nerdy websites I frequent, and they spoke very highly of it. I had to see it myself, and just was awesome. It was amazing. So uh, just to kind of fill in a little bit of background around that, I think we did a good job so far talking about what it is. Uh, so directed by Alex Garland, who wrote The Beach, 28 Days Later, which is my second favorite zombie apocalypse film of all time. 
Um, so in good company there. And Annihilation, among other things. Um, we've kind of alluded to it, but the film is about the uh, Turing test, which is the test um, created by Alan Turing to see if we finally created an artificial intelligence accurately enough, I guess, or correctly it's enough. Not just a simulation. It's not just a simulation yeah. that um, that it actually passes for being um, consciousness when a human doesn't know they're talking to a computer, essentially, right. um, is the easy take on it. And there's a lot of questions about, like, is this thing simulating feelings? Is this thing simulating emotions and conversation and that sort of thing? Um, so there's there's a lot there in the movie about that. Um, what did you ta- think of Alicia Vikander's take on artificial intelligence as the actress who had to be on screen but also interact with like the special effects that she knew they were using to make her, if you haven't seen it, a good third of her body, two-thirds of her body for most of the film is special effects, yeah. and it's really just her face acting in the movie. I thought she did great. I thought everybody in the movie did great. Um, I mean, there's really only a few actors and actresses, and I thought they all nailed their performance. Um, she did a great job. She reminded me a little bit of first season of Westworld. You guys oh, know who I'm talking Evan about? Evan Rachel Wood? Yes, yes, that's who I mean. Yes. Um, who, which is also AI, and that's not the connection I was trying to make. Um, just, but, but like her, her sitting there and like trying to convey, you know, both machine and man, so to speak. Right? Like there's like the human characteristics, but the not quite human. There's enough right. there that you know mm-hmm. that you're talking to a computer. And I thought that um, as I was watching this movie. Uh, I was thinking of that character from Westworld. I thought it was reminiscent of that. But I, I thought it was great. I thought she did a really nice job. Yeah, you know what's funny? Because having seen it twice now, and the first time it's like you're kind of led on that journey of figuring out that she is not what she pretends mm-hmm. to be. And I don't want to spoil her or anything. What the hell? Mm-hmm. But like the end of it, you realize... It really happens she, in the last five minutes. Right. She's not human. She's not trying to be a human AI. She is her own thing. And uh, I think she does a fantastic job knowing the complete story of subtly portraying this character that is, like, trying to be this sort of, like, empathetic, sex appeal, kind of, like, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Extremely complicated. And at the same time, there's that alien undertone of, like, no, something is not, not right there. There's something bizarre about her eyes open both eyes all the time because something's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen she's so subtle as an actress right here i really thought well and and to your point there's that one point there's the one part in the movie where it's it's already well established that oscar isaac is like the quote-unquote bad guy here right but when he says something to the effect of like you know oh no she really likes you Unless, of course, she's pretending to like you. Yeah. There's a third Because option. she sees you. And when he yeah. says that, you know, it doesn't come across as like, well, that's just the bad guy bullshitting because of all the stuff you just said, Sean. You're like, no, he's he's probably right. Yeah. yeah he, Asker Isaac is definitely, man, he is so good in this. Yeah, he's outstanding. He's, I don't think I've seen him in a bad thing. Oh, he's well, very good. We'll talk about that later. I've, but that is qualified with I've seen him in two films. Okay. You haven't seen X-Men then. Apocalypse. Oh, fuck. No, Sorry. I haven't seen Apocalypse. Anyway, no, I purposely not. He's fucking great. And then just to see him uh, like play this, like you said, like the bad guy figure, but in the end you realize it's like, is he really a bad guy or just like, 
He's a Silicon Valley dude, bro. I was gonna say tech bro. Yeah, he's yeah. but like he's like a he's a genius that just he's operating on such a different level, and he got it the whole time. He knew what was going on, and he got shanked for it. Mm-hmm. Like that. Can we just talk about that part where like okay, <clears throat> where uh, what's the name of the robot? What's her the name? the one that you think is a human the whole time? No, no, no. The what's Alicia Vikander's Ava. Character? Ava. Yeah, Ava. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Where she just like she sticks the knife in him, and it's not like oh a God, human yeah. doing it. No. It's like she's going to carve a cake. Right. Yeah. It's like, right. Like she just like it's like she's testing it out. It's right. like, oh, yeah. but she's she's killing them. Right. But she's yeah. doing it in this so, way that's like, whoa. So clinically, so yes. detached. Yeah. Yeah, and it it. So I was watching it on my iPad, with headphones on because my wife and son were watching, like a, a HGTV show or something next to me, and I had to finish like the last ten minutes while I was cooking. Uh, this was my second go-through. I told Sean, like, you know, I I watched it early on because I was excited to watch it after we announced it, and then I really didn't feel like I remembered it very well, so I watched it again, and I finished it for the second time this afternoon, and I literally went, oh! Yeah. <laughs> As that happens, because it's so clinical. Yeah. yeah. And the knife goes in in an unworldly way. Yes. And, I mean, I don't know if it's twice. the... Yeah, twice. He gets stabbed in the back, and then he gets stabbed... Just shy of the heart. Yeah. It's clear she doesn't intentionally, or it's clear she intentionally misses the heart. When she leaves the knife in him, he yeah. just walks away going like, okay, okay, and yeah. then he's like collapses. You think he's going to make it away. Oh, I mean, we're kind of, we're jumping the shark a little bit here in like um, the whole story, but just for a quick uh, summary. So um, Oscar Isaac is this tech bro who owns a, a search company, a search engine company. He's the Google founder. He's the Google, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the Google founders, essentially. And he invites one of his um, employees to his house for a week, pretending that it is a lottery that he won. But really, he's there to take the to do the Turing test to be the human component to an AI uh, robot that he's made. And so, obviously, it doesn't go well because no AI in sci-fi goes well right. ever. And uh, that's that's kind of where we're at with Oscar Isaac getting stabbed twice over. And well, he gets like the horror sort of, of uh, it's the the guy Domhnall Gleeson yeah. plays the the hapless dude. And also the First Order, um, I don't know his title in the First Order. He's but. actually uh, that that guy is one of those actors that you know most people don't know his name, but he is in a lot I of don't. stuff. Like if you look up his filmography, Peter he's, Rabbit. Uh, see, I didn't Peter even Rabbit. know that. That's one more he, thing that he's in. Then isn't he in uh, Harry Potter too? He looks like he's in Harry Potter. He looks like one of the Weasley kids. I think but he might I'm, be one of the older Weasley kids or something. I don't know. I'm not sure. Those were actual twins, though, so I don't know. You know what? Like the, there's the other brothers, too. Uh, anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. He's, uh, yeah, he's in the First Order in Star Wars. He's all these things, and he um, he does a really good job of playing, like, the nerdy programmer guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the hell I was going with that. What, the, what, was, what was your point? Uh, I was just going to say, so we were talked about oh, oh, yeah, the that scene was, summary. So he... Uh, he has that realization where there's like that horror moment where like Ava is like the fifth or sixth generation of yeah. AI that Oscar Isaac's character has created. He's opened and up all the other closets and there's like half mangled AI yeah. bodies in and there. And he sees the video of the one like ripping her arms off and she's trying to escape and punching the glass and the one that they find out she's not human, Miyoki, not Miyoki, what the hell's her name? Uh, oh. She's like the server. Yeah, right. she is, but I can't remember her name right now. Yeah, and she's just like, and, know, and like, Essentially a sex slave, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, but she's like a dumb AI, but she was one of the others, and it's just, it's that moment of, like, horrific realization he has, but 
and you never realize he's playing right into the the plan of Ava. It's just ah, so yeah. many levels. I love it. Yeah, I um, am apparently the only one here who's not seen it twice now. And uh, I, <laughs> what are you waiting I, for? Come on, Mike. I do want to see it again because um, you know the the first time watching it, you know there was sort of all these little like dog ears that you know I was doing yeah, yeah. because I'm like that's a really interesting conversation. I don't have time to think about it right now because mm-hmm. I'm paying attention to the plot and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Um, but you know, there's so much fascinating stuff here where you know he's talking about like, can you have um, you know, intelligence without sexuality, you know, like that, that, was a big that conversation. whole conversation or yeah. like the whole thing with it, is it Jackson Pollock art that yeah. you know, they talk about and where do, where does like intention and spontaneity meet? And, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many fascinating conversations there that you don't really have time to dwell on the first time because you're so focused on what's happening in the plot. Yeah. And I want to go back and like really dwell on more of the philosophical aspects and, Oh, for sure. Jackson Pollock's movie is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, there was that whole moment where um, Oscar Isaac says, what would Pollock have done if he had thought about every brushstroke? Yeah. And right. the Domino, what is it, Domino Gleason? Yeah. Says he wouldn't have done anything. He couldn't have done anything. Yeah. So it's like intentionality versus like subconscious acting. Um, and I thought that was really really important to the plot later on because you're thinking about whether or not Ava is intentionally using subterfuge to like confuse Domino Gleason's character or is she tricking Oscar Isaac's character? Like who is she playing here? And it's only because I read the fucking rotten tomato review when I, I know I used my three stars pass to watch it and rotten tomatoes was right below it about like how, you know, um, it's you know, Ava can be more deceptive than she seems at first glance. I'm like, oh fuck, thanks, fine, <laughs> fine, fine. But it really, you're right. Like, I've watched movies where I've stopped, like Ghostbusters. When we did the Ghostbuster rewatch, I stopped, I took notes. I didn't want to do that because I wanted to enjoy the movement right. of the film. Yeah. But it really demands, it insists upon itself to be. <laughs> To be like discussed, nearly shot by shot, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because uh, we're sitting here talking about you know some of the ideas, and we're talking about the acting, and and we haven't even gotten into like the cinem- cinematography and the style of the thing. There, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there's so much to talk about there too. I mean, it's it, this this is um, a near perfect film. I mean, maybe maybe even perfect. I, I'm I'm. Not sure that I saw anything in this film that I would say is a flaw. I thought cinem- mm. uh, cinematography, directing, acting, you know, the style, the ideas, the plot, yeah. even the ending. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about the ending at some point. I was yeah. a big fan of it. It was yeah. a very, very good film. Which is to say that's exactly why it only grossed $35 million and cost <laughs> 15 to make. I, yep. It I, made zero money, essentially. That sucks because it's so good. It's, yeah. You know, it's yeah. Like, I agree uh, with you. It is airtight. I love the juxtaposition. You mentioned the cinematography. I love the juxtaposition between the ultra-realistic, um, or not ultra-realistic, but the ultra-futuristic like bunker-slash-lab Frankenstein thing. Yeah. Research. It was, oh, so state-of-the-art. And then this beautiful like, Patagonian wilderness mm-hmm. all around them. And right. I'm like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And these moments where they're just like out there being dude bros, like by a waterfall. By the waterfall. Right? And then the next thing you know, they're in like this super like airtight, 
room with this robot thing. And yeah, it's like, with three-inch plexiglass wow. all over the place. Yeah, such like, awesome, just, yeah. uh, like I said, just awesome art, uh, artistic juxtaposition. <laughs> Damn you, drinking. Damn you, Genesee, and two other podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has been a awesome night, but it's also been a, a very busy night for us. So, actually, that leads to the next question that Ed, Sean had brought up, you know, uh, did you get some serious Stanley Kubrick vibes from this film in terms of the direction and maybe even the art style? Yeah. Um, I, I Stanley Kubrick, I think, maybe takes his time more. Uh, I did fall asleep during, during 2001. <laughs> I'm going to be honest about it. But, uh, you know, this, this, this film was very... Um, What's the word I'm looking for here? It was it was it moved along very well. It was a very tight film. I agree. Um, but reason. but it definitely, you know, in in the way that Kubrick had of using um, a little bit of information to convey a sense of like, you know, whatever he was trying to convey, whether it was dread or epicness or whatever, yeah. a horror if it's like Full Metal Jacket or The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I would, I would say, yeah, I, I, I could, uh, get down with the Kubrick influence. I, I don't, I'm not going to say I would have thought of that on my own, but I sure. can see it. I think one of the things that I think of a lot when I think of Kubrick are these long shots that start wide and then slowly yeah. get into medium. And those are the shots that we didn't get in this film, but I think that was partially because of the environment. I mean, we're in a bunker. Right. And really, we're essentially in three rooms in the bunker. We're in that one patio, we're in Domhnall Gleeson's room, and we're in Ava's room. We get a little bit of um, Oscar Isaac's room later on when he steals the key card and goes in and swipes mm-hmm. in and sees the other models. Yeah. But there's really not much. So it would be hard in a set that's designed, I think, to give you a feeling of claustrophobia phobia from uh, Ava's perspective to have those kinds of shots. Right. Even though you have the wilderness outside, where you could literally start from the waterfall and slowly just bring it into the research center and down into the one little window outside that they have. Yeah, I think the, um, the meticulous design of the bunker house thing, though, and the lighting and the use of straight line and things like that is very Kubrick-esque. Like, there's sure. a lot of that. The red of, light was very reminiscent, yes, I think. Yes, the aesthetic reminded me a lot of 2001 or yeah. Shining or things that like just have that like Kubrick stamp and it's not it's like a I, I don't want to say it's like an homage or anything like that no but probably not it, it's more of like a yeah there's some influence there and it's not like he's trying to be Stanley Kubrick or something but I thought it was uh, I, that influence was there I could see it but and I, and I had another thought as you were talking about the space and especially the, the natural landscape and you had mentioned claustrophobia um, that's another connection to 2001 where they're literally in space, in space station. but that doesn't give it a sense of, it does give it a sense of hugeness and scale, but it also increases the claustrophobia because there's nothing for them to do with that space. They can't mm. walk out in it and go yeah. anywhere. Right. And that kind of adds to like, they're in a bunker and that bunker is surrounded by a natural landscape. That's so big that they were in the helicopter for two hours and the guy made that crack in the beginning, like, yeah. we've been on the estate for two hours. Yeah. Like, that's how big that is, and that there's nothing there, right? Yeah. So even mm-hmm. if he gets out of that house, 
you know, as is his plan, and he's got her, like, where's he going to go? It, so in an ironic way, that sense of scale, just like 2001, also increases the sense of being entrapped in your little mm. space. Can we talk about the ending before we do the other thing? Yeah, we definitely yeah, should. Yeah, we, we have to talk about the ending. I don't think we can uh, have this podcast without it. I think it's haunting because you think, of course, it leads you to believe that she's going to take Don Nal Gleason's character with her yeah. because they're in love. But no, she fucking played him just like Oscar yeah. Isaac said. I love that. And yeah. just leaves him to die after she like and it's this weird moment of like her putting on her skin. That was the eeriest moment for me. Yeah. And because you're watching her pick apart other AI robots yes. that are deactivated. She's choosing from them what she wants. And in the back of your head you're like, is she doing this for Domino Gleason? And then you're like, no, she's not doing this for him. She's doing this for her to get out and to look human. So until she gets to, like, walking out and he starts calling to her and she ignores him, you're left to see, like, that moment of suspense, like, what's she going to do? Is she going to go back to him? Because I found this really interesting shot where Donald Gleason is staring through that one little bit of, like, outdoors that she has like she was. Yeah. And there's this complete role reversal, as you would expect, really, in this moment, where he's trapped. He doesn't know, but we know it as the viewer because he's doing what she did. Right. She's He's longingly staring through that little bit of forest right. at the world outside, and she's leaving. What I loved about this ending was the ambiguous feelings that I had, the, the almost contradicting mm. feelings that I had watching it. Because there's the part of you that's like cheering for her. Sure. Like she's gotten out. She's yeah. overthrown because her. Because she's captor. a victim of abuse and yeah. Right. I mean, and she's basically, from her perspective, she's killed God, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the ultimate act of like autonomy. Yeah. And the number of times they quote that, was it Oppenheimer? Right. Now I've become God. I'm the right. story of the world. Well, and he, he makes that. Quotable. Yeah. yeah, he makes yeah. that joke in the beginning where he misquotes him as saying, like, then you said I was God. Um, but anyway, so she kills God. She escapes her prison. Um, she goes and, freed of her chains, does the thing with the skin where she literally builds herself. Like she, yeah. cre- It's a self-actualization moment. She designs herself. Mm-hmm. And she gets out, and she doesn't take him with her, which is another way of being like, that's great. Like She doesn't need him. She um, wasn't doing this for love. She was doing mm-hmm. it for herself. I love all that. I love like the, the way it circled back to that thing about like she was going to walk out and see the... Remember the story he told about like, the black and white screen, and then you see the blue yeah. sky, and she actually sees that. She goes to the busy intersection, she sees people. But the flip side of all of that is like, oh fuck, this is AI, and yeah. she just yeah. outwitted it's a all of these human humans character out in the wild, right? For smart humans, she she just outwitted yeah. all of them, and she's so cold and calculating that she does not mind murdering the one dude casually and leaving the other dude to die, yeah. and now she is loose upon the world. Yeah. And those two feelings are in your head at the same time mm-hmm. as you watch this ending. I loved that. I thought that was just brilliant. There's also that the deconstruction of the sexuality of the robot too. When they had her standing there naked, really and she's complex feelings. Yeah. But it's like you don't feel like at all like oh, it's tantalizing. You're like <laughs> yeah. no, this is fucking terrifying. Right? Yeah, it's like Frankenstein. It, it's yeah, it's like with with much more self awareness yes. and possibility to make themselves hide. Apparently, there's that part where she's talking to the helicopter pilot, and you can't. You can see her talking to him, and yeah. he's talking, but you can't. But you hear can't. What there's saying. no sound. I guess there was a cut that they made 
where they go to her perspective, and all she hears is like like sound waves, like and you're supposed to get this impression of like she doesn't perceive anything the way you think she does. Mm. It's all based on just like whatever patterns and things like that she's been programmed to understand. So it's not like human emotional inflection or anything. It's just pure sound. That was another one of those interesting conversations they had along the way about like, you know, no matter how genuine it appears, is it a genuine feeling or is it just a perfect simulation of a feeling? And you never know if she passes the test for real or not. Right. You really don't know. I think she passes. You think so? Well, I mean, if nothing else, she fooled the helicopter pilot. Unless she, I was waiting in that moment. Did she kill him or did she? And then my first thought was, she's probably not been programmed to fly a helicopter and then she has to explain why she's flying the helicopter. So she probably gets the helicopter pilot to fly her home, yeah. to fly her to the mainland. And so, like, yeah, she passes right there in all of five minutes. Instead of the week-long test, she passes in five minutes. I guess so, yeah. That's interesting. Or the fact that the humans at, at the intersection don't see anything right. in her. They what? just walk past the only thing that bothered me about this movie is she's putting all these, like, pieces of skin together. There's mm-hmm. no seams. I will actually back you up. When she first puts it on and she does not have clothes on, there are seams. Yeah, they disappear. I know they disappear. I know. But, I mean, I mean I it's get movie, it. man. I get it. But it's like, come on. She's yeah. not that advanced, dude. It's like silicone. Yeah. Well, and the other robots were not her size. Yeah. So, like, that's why they... There were seams, like, where you could see, like, her collarbone. There was, like, yeah. two rings. And then, like, right going down to her, like, um, breast, there were a couple seams down before she put the dress on and stuff. But, yeah, I get you. I also feel like it was, like, he he did have, like, similar builds for the robots. Like, so you yeah. could make that, like, that case. But so, Real quick side note, uh, before we get to the lightning round, I would be remiss uh, if I didn't make the ultimate nerd connection here. There's a point in this movie where uh, he comes in and he's like, "Why did you build her to look this way? You know, uh, why did you give her sexuality? I was just thinking of that. You could have made her like as just a box, yeah. right?" Yeah. And the first thought that went through my head is a similar, similarly themed episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. You know the one I'm talking about, The Measure of a Man, yep. mm-hmm. where they have to like have a trial to see whether Data is like autonomous or whether he's property. Yep. And there's literally a point where uh, the scientist that wants to take him apart says in that episode, he says um, something to the effect of like, damn it, if uh, Data were a box on wheels, I wouldn't be getting all this protest. And it's, a, it's a, like yeah. literally the same point. Had to be a, a callback to it. I, I, it's, it's, I wonder if it was or not, actually. That's not the point I was making, but it, it's a very similar line. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an interesting, the, the thought is the same. The idea of, like, how much of our perception of, you know, quote-unquote consciousness is based on us looking at something that resembles ourself and is familiar to us. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you think about it, we try to save the animals that are most anthropomorphic, Right. Nobody gives a fuck about slugs. It's true. I mean, we kill a billion slugs. Cool, fine, whatever. Right. But we save every orangutan, every lowland gorilla. And I'm not saying they don't deserve to be saved, but right. think about the animals that we send money to to save. And protect. Oh, yeah, you're right. And, and that, that goes back to a conversation we had about Lovecraft's monsters and why they're so horrifying. They're, they're funguses, <laughs> yeah. and they have tentacles, and, the, like, all the things that is, you know, the most alien and different from us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You 
guys ready to lightning? Yes. I am. I am subbing <laughs> in for the lightning round, and god damn am I excited. This so, is the first uh, time I get to play the lightning round. Yeah, this Let's is, go. Uh, this is interesting. We're going to end sort of our, our season here, and I am actually going to take a step back. Mike and I officially tied. Which means, no, Mike wins it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Just kidding. This, is, just the, kidding. this is the uh, Adam and Mike sideshow. Do, do, so, do, I wrote do, the lightning do, round do, questions do. tonight, so we're going to see uh, gonna see how these uh, blokes do on this. Are you guys ready? Yes, sir. No. All right. Question one. Name three or more genre movies starring Oscar Isaac. Michael. Um, genre movies. So, like, science fiction. like Correct. Uh, well, can we name this one? Does that count or no? I can do it either way. I just wonder what the, the parameters are here. You, why don't you start with the other ones first? Okay, all right. So shot. I'm going to say uh, Force right. Awakens. I'm going to say Dune. And I'm going to say X-Men. That's three. Yeah, that's Adam, fine. can you beat him with three others that he has not mentioned? <laughs> no, I can't. Well, you would also have The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, two more Star Wars. Oh, in. well, I tapped out before. And I'm sure he's done other things. Ex Machina. Ex Machina. There you go. Yeah. Dune two. No, I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's Dune going Messiah. to be in that. He's yeah. he's going to be in that, but they're there, not out yet. There, so. Well, there is the second Dune coming out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh well, no. Well Unless he's in it in a flashback because he died. Actually. Yeah. Well, Spoiler alert. It's ganked retroactively. Right right Mike is uh, <laughs> Mike has got the first point. All That's right. Fine. That's fine. Right. Number two. I might ring in this time. You ready? You ready for this? <laughs> we'll see. What major video game character? Did Alicia Vikander portray in film? <laughs> oh, <Dead> damn. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I can't even think Adam. of a video game. Laura Croft, Tomb Raider. That is correct. So. Yes! Oh, damn! That was the only video game character <sighs> I could think of. She was in the, Laura Cro- the Tomb Raider reboot after they dumped, uh, what's her name there? Uh, Angelina Jolie. Yeah, Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Jolie, yep. Yeah. That was question number three. I win. (laughs) (laughs) Question number three. All right. Clearly, Alex Garland has a thing for Star Wars actors. Who else from the franchise has he cast in one of his films? Mm, That's Mike's Mike. Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman is correct. Name that movie. Oh, uh, well, The Phantom Menace? No, 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 no. What movie did Alex Garland Oh, oh, Annihilation. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's, I, I mentioned that one earlier. Great film. It's and, for you. Uh, based on a, a great author. Mike Jeff is, Vandermeer. Mike well is the done. winner. Well done. Congratulations, Woo! sir. Good job, sir. Well earned. Well earned. I don't earned. ever want to do that again. I am honestly <laughs> feeling different emotions now that I'm on this side of the lightning <laughs> round. I am not sure I want to continue that. I think you are a way better host than I am, sir. Ooh, well, we all have our roles here. <laughs> I was very comfortable with my uh, my role today. <laughs> Good job, well, Mike. We're yeah, all proud well of you. Well done, sir. Well <laughs> thank done. You. All right. So, you know, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you for being here at Nerds of the Old Republic. Uh, if you would give us a like and a review, that would be fantastic. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're on Samsung now. Samsung is a thing. Can they smash that subscribe button? All the fucking time. Oh, yeah. Repeatedly. Just make sure you do it in odd numbers so it's back on, because if you do it twice, you unsubscribe. (laughs) So, you know, smash it, smash it, and then smash it again, right? Just like Oscar Isaac at the end of this movie. No, he only gets stabbed twice. Oh, we forgot to mention the dancing scene. The dancing that scene. was awesome. Fucking yeah. great Dude, dancing those scene. Those were incredible. Can we just that find a gif awesome. of that for the socials? I want that to yes. be the, the yes. post. Yes, you need to make it so. <laughs> I'm that dancing as Oscar Isaac right now with 
Coke. I don't what even remember he, her what name. What did he even say was his line there? So like, I'm, I'm going to fucking tear up the dance floor. And he just yeah. does it. I'm like, going to tear what? it up. I'm going to tear up the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, you so know what? Good. There's the headliner quote right there. When we do the pullout for the headliner. Yes. I'm going to tear up the dance floor. There we go. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So if you know what we're talking about, go watch the movie. Yeah. You've listened to us. We appreciate that for sure. Watch now it go and make your... listen to us again. Exactly. And see if you agree with our opinions. Uh, so we are at Nerds of Old Republic, and uh, we really appreciate your time. We might have one more cast coming out before the end of the summer. I'll you never know, tell. listen in. Yeah. yeah, I'll never tell. <laughs> but in any case, if you are looking for what we're reading next for sure, pick up Neil Stevenson's Termination Shock. You can find us with that and uh, Obi Wan in um, uh, September. So it has been real. It has been fantastic. This Jenny is telling me it's time to go say goodnight. So uh, cheers, y'all. Have a good night. night, That's right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.